0: In this episode of the Better Health Podcast, body positive fitness influencer Tracy Lee Lusty and health-focused content creator Shaista Kathri engage in a dynamic conversation about diet and nutrition.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Better Health Podcast, hosted by Discam. My name is Tracy Lee and I'm joined by Shaista, and we're going to be chatting all things diet,
2: nutrition, and body positivity today. So excited, Tracy. Firstly, lovely to meet you. Been a fan for the longest time, so I'm really excited to be here with you.
1: I'm very excited to be here with you as well. and I'm excited to get to know you and to hear all the good things that you have to tell us and everyone who's listening um, about diet and nutrition, because that's something that's very close to my heart as well, having just gone on a very health-conscious journey myself. Um, But today, I just wanted to start off talking about exactly that. You know, I think... There's such a, the world that we live in right now, there's just such an emphasis on um, what we look like and how we present to the world around us. And there's just so much pressure on social media. I don't know if you've found that in in your sort of line, and your niche as well, but I have found that like, I think being on social media for the last six years, there's definitely this underlying pressure to fit a norm, to look a certain way, to speak a certain way, to dress a certain way. And it really can have an impact on yourself, your own, you know, your, your self-esteem, your self-worth. Um, how do you combat that in, in, in the space that you're in?
2: So definitely, you definitely can relate to that, Tracy. I mean, um, we here with our lashes on and mm-hmm. our lipstick on and there's cameras and it's lovely. Um, but somebody watching this at home, as we would be at home in our tracksuit, hair in a bun, um, looking at that thinking, mm, you know, I need to strive to that. When we all have our beauty moments and our um, wholesome home moments. Um, and it's just um, learning that it's not all about what we're seeing on, on on the social media. When it comes to the bodies we're seeing on social media, what I love, and I'm going to turn this around because we know and I think we acknowledge that um, the type of bodies we're seeing on social media over the years have led to um, us as individuals feeling feeling a certain way about ourselves. I'm a mom of a nine-year-old, so I've got to be nine-year-old girl, so I've got to be quite sensitive about that. But I want to turn it around because I love that in the recent say maybe yo to i'm seeing a lot more of mums rolling down their gym leggings and showing off their c-section yes. um flab and or, or whatever it is um people being a lot more real um to their audiences and i love that i love that that people are embracing the real and allowing everyone to feel that that it's okay it's okay to not mm. be you know that perfect
1: i love that and i think that speaks quite directly to my advocacy and sort of the platform that I have on social media in the space that I've occupied for the last six years and that really is that it really is about um you know embracing our body in every season and also understanding that our body is going to go through natural size fluctuations whether it's puberty or you know a busy work year or being becoming a mom Mm. and you know these are all these all very natural things and I think you're so right and you're so on the money when you say that there has been a change in the landscape online. Because I really noticed that and I really feel like I have been also a part of that. Mm. And I really feel passionate about and thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Thank I you. really do feel yeah, passionate about that specific sort of area and just being vulnerable and, and creating a niche space for like real and genuine storytelling, mm. especially mm. when it comes to our bodies and just mm. being okay and open and mm. and just acknowledging that there are that we don't need to be the same we don't mm. need to all look like the glossy you know pages of the magazine or the celebs that we see walking the red carpet like our uniqueness is what makes us so special absolutely um so that's yeah. that i've i've really tried to do um but let's chat a bit more about nutrition because i feel like there's a lot out there i feel like this week we you know we're learning about a low-carb diet. The next week we're learning about no no we we're we're doing cottage cheese doing... cheese right now? Yes. <laughs> Kale is out, cottage cheese is in. So tell me a little bit more about your sort of ethos and your what your beliefs are around nutrition. Yeah.
2: yeah. So I started becoming famous or getting sort of noticed on my platform uh, because of my healthy eating. Um, This must have been about 2016 or so, so quite a few years ago. Um, I had run um, a a party and event styling business for about 10 years and I needed I wanted a space on social media where I could post what I wore or what I ate or or whatever it was separate to to my um, business profile. So I started that and just started putting, you know, um, recipes up and putting poke bowls and acai bowls and those interesting things that I enjoyed making for myself and the salads that I ate and smoothies and all of that. And people were interested. Moms like me... um, people who wanted to understand um, or or get on a a better nutrition journey uh, became interested, and it just snowballed from there. Um, What I love is that it sort of put pressure on me to get my nutrition right and to educate myself on what works best for my body, Mm. um, not just what's trending, and then impart that to my kids as well. We were chatting earlier, Tracy, and we spoke about the concept of eating to live mm. and not living to eat mm-hmm. and we both come from families right that culturally eating is a big thing yes <laughs> it's a huge thing it's almost like ah oh, Tracy why aren't you eating that or Shani I mean surely you can be eating yeah. that extra slice of whatever but um I think it's that it's that the cultures that we come from and just breaking those stereotypes and those norms and um uh, people understanding and learning that What we ate or what we eat at cultural whatever's that we're going to. And then daily lives and the purpose for what we eat. And like I was was telling you earlier, I had to actually tell the kids the other day, yes, it's fine, you know, burgers and fries is fine. Mm. There's a time and place for that food. But on the daily, we need to make sure that we're eating so that when we get to school, we're fueled enough till Mm. lunch break. And when we get to lunch break, we're fueled enough till soccer practice. And they were like, oh, it really hit Mm. them. Because if you aren't conditioning your kids or reminding them of that, it's almost like, no, we just eat because it tastes good. So Mm. just instilling that in my kids has been a big thing. Yeah, I really like what you're saying because I feel like I can actually
1: identify a lot with that. So two things. Obviously, as a child, I grew up in a household where I think my issues, my longstanding issues with weight started in the home mm-hmm. so not knowing you know not eating a proper balanced plate of food not being educated you know in the, you know with like what carb is what a protein is what a vegetable is and why they're so why they're important macronutrients for development not to blame parents because we are all in control but i do think that how you are raised um definitely can have a long term effect on you know whether or not you you may develop obesity one day or you may not or you might be an active person or you might not Mm. lifestyle is really important Mm. yes it's a genetic component but lifestyle Mm. also really really plays into that so i love that you are educating your Mm. kids as well and bringing them up to fully actually understand Mm -hmm. that you know food is like food is friends like (laughs) you know like it's there's no bad food and i think that also is such a in society we've, we've we love to say oh that's a naughty chocolate or that's a good carrot or Mm. we we sort of categorize food as good and bad and and we demonize Mm. you know fast food for example but what I've really learned sort of I think throughout the last like two decades probably Mm -hmm. the last two decades of my life is that you really this notion of you know food for fuel or also living to eat and eating to live, there's such a balance in between that because I don't I also don't believe that, you know, food is only fuel. Like mm-hmm. we need to also enjoy food. We need yes, you know, absolutely. We, a balance. we need to live and enjoy. And you know, food is such a social thing as yeah. well. You know, coming mm-hmm. together around a table and celebrating occasions with food. You know, I lived so much of my life scared and and counting calories in the back of my Mm. head and restricting and binging um some people may know that i've been very open about my my history with disordered with disordered eating Mm. and that really did stem from just like lack of education Mm. and not actually knowing like how macronutrients you know on the pyramid how it actually forms and then you develop Mm. a very negative relationship with food and i think yeah for me that's really culminated um in the last year, I have mm. uh, i know you have been following me for a while, so I thank you. And you have mm. obviously seen the, the journey that I've embarked on. But for those that don't know, um, you know, a year ago, I was just actually not even a year ago, nine months ago, I made the decision to undergo something called bariatric surgery. And for those people who don't know what bari- bariatric surgery yeah. is. tell me, Tracy. Yeah, because I know it's, it's a little bit of like a, ooh, like you've maybe seen it on my 600-pound yeah. like life where they're, you know, breaking down doors to get, you know, the person out of, you know, out of the bed into yeah. the hospital. And yeah, yeah. Yes, that mm. there is that side of the spectrum where it mm. can be so bad that that is what that is what happens, but it's also not as scary um, as scary as it sounds, mm. and I think. The problem with bariatrics is that mm. people don't uh, don't know about it. They mm. don't understand what bariatric surgery is. They don't know why it's necessary. And it's I think there's so much and when it can be fear mongering exactly fear mongering in society about it and when it can be used. Mm. So not to go into all the crazy hectic science behind the exact procedure that I had, but just to explain sort of why or, or, or why I deemed it necessary at this point in my life to undergo something like that is because I have been on yo-yo diets, fad diets. Every single diet you could possibly imagine since the age of seven. Mm. Um, I started my since the age of, of seven, seven. So my disorder. I've got a nine-year-old. Exactly. And that so just now scares me. Imagine to your my nine-year-old core. was. You know, halving her sandwich, or not having—was mm. deathly
2: afraid of having a treat in her lunchbox. I like I this don't was... even want to raise that with my twelve-year-old, exactly. let alone with my nine-year-old. Exactly, so I can only imagine. I mean, it's a—it's been a lifelong struggle. It has been. Yeah. So I'm thirty-two
1: years old now, so I mean, it's—it's it's
2: almost. I mean, it's more than
1: almost 80% of my life where Mm. I have Mm. consistently been in a binge restrict or some sort of
2: dietary cycle Mm. Um, and Did this come from Tracy though family um Deeming your your body in a certain way, judging you. Um, did it come from from external? Did it come from um, the people around you? Did it come from things mm-hmm. you were reading or seeing at that time?
1: I think for me, look, my family's always been very supportive, and I've never had you know the parent that's like, yeah, you shouldn't be eating that, or you shouldn't do that, or you should be trained that, or you should do ballet, or I've never had pushy parents in that in that sense. So great. I think for me, like I said earlier, it was very much more the environmental issues so you know we would dish up a plate of food we're only a family of three and I'd be constantly thinking about oh you know I I need to eat this quickly so I can dish up a second portion because you know like all the food's gonna run out you Mm. know it was this very and we all basically ate like that my both my parents we we just consumed far more from a portion size point of view than what was actually normal Mm. normal in inverted commas I'm gonna say um but yeah, so just getting back to then the the the, the bariatrics. So obviously this went on for for years, and um, it really you know I started fitness school in twenty sixteen, and that was the initial you know weight loss journey commitment device. Um, you know, you're going to use social media to like you know show this amazing transformation, and you worked hard, and I did work hard. You worked and I did really follow, hard. You know, a diet at that yeah. stage as well. And the
2: fitness, all and of the it, fitness and everything,
1: yeah. um, because I have at that stage was already seeing the first signs of obesity-related illness mm. very early on. I mean, yeah, that was like, what, 2016. Um, it was just another binge-restrict cycle. Mm. So no matter what, that weight loss was never gonna be sustainable. I didn't know that then. I know it now, mm. and I've been very vocal about that. And. That is the thing with bariatrics is that if you're looking for a, cyst, if you have your whole life, you can relate with my story, mm. and it, you gain it, you you lose it, and then you gain it, and it's big swings and roundabouts. And for me, it was and that's pressure on your body, exactly, pressure on your organs, and your organs, the visceral fat around your organs. I mean, that's what's the most dangerous. You might not see it on the outside, but it's what's going on, on inside. Mm. So, anyway, this is a long way of saying that I got to a point um, at the end of 2022 where I was pushing almost 150 kilos. Mm. And I just didn't, I no longer felt like fitness girl. I yeah. felt like a fraud. Mm. I was showing up online in a space where I was preaching health, fitness, you know, self-love, all these things, which I I did, I believed, and I still have loved my body in every season. There wasn't a time where I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, goodness, like, you know, you, girl, you got to do something. It was never mm. from that point. Of view. It was yeah. never an aesthetic mm. reason. Mm. It, was, it was like, I just realized I was on my honeymoon mm. and like people know the story. Um, and, I couldn't parasail with mm. my husband because I was too heavy. I couldn't horse ride because the poor mm. horse would sort have of collapsed. I couldn't pull myself up into the boat after snorkeling. It took three grown men to like mm. physically haul me on mm. to the boat. And I just realized, like in that moment, that the quality that, of life. The quality of life. Yeah. It was. It wasn't an aesthetic thing. There was never an aesthetic thing for me. It was. This is not the life that I want to live. I know who I am inside. I know I am fitness girl. I know that this is my my calling and my and it, my. Platform is to inspire. Mm. Um, and being a body positive activist, for me, I've always said that being body positive is about ensuring that your body is functioning healthily and optimally for you. Mm. So that is sort of how I also reconciled having bariatric surgery, which is obviously the consequence of that is a lot of weight loss yeah. with the fact that I'm also a body positive activist. Mm who essentially is
2: supposed to accept her body in every season and love your body no matter what. Mm. But if your body isn't serving you and isn't functioning the way you need it mm-hmm. to, that's when it's a problem. Exactly. And I love that with your platform, you're using it to advocate for the fact that it's not just aesthetics. You know, when I say to people, and if you look at me, you would and through my life have been somewhat slim, right? But I know what my body feels like. I know what I feel like when I'm running, when I'm about four or five kilos heavier. Yeah. I feel it. I feel when I'm running with my kids. And it's it's not aesthetic again. Because Someone can say to me, oh, but you're slim. Mm-hmm. Why are you at the gym every day? Why are you eating salads again? You don't need to. We all need to. We all need to be eating nutritious food. Mm. And it's not about the aesthetics. It's how you're feeling inside. Absolutely. If your body's still functioning optimally at five kilos heavier and you comfortable with that, with the way you're feeling mm. and with the way you're looking, then, then that's okay. But if if it's, you know, not not okay with how mm. you're feeling and energy levels or whatever and you can't function to your best and optimally, then that's when it's a problem. I love that. People, people really have that misconception. No, absolutely. And I love that you said that because it's exactly what
1: I was feeling in that period where I was you know, making the decision whether or not like I was going to go through with the surgery mm. or not. Mm. And that's the thing is that you know, people say, oh, well, can you be, you know, overweight and be fit? You know, is that something that, like, is really possible? And I feel like I'm the poster child for that. Yeah, because up I've seen ladies
2: of, in my grade class who, <laughs> yeah, definitely testament to yes. that. And I've seen how hard you've been working, you Thank know, um over the years.
1: And that's because what I've always saying? been in fitness school. And yeah. I was always sporty in school. And I was, you know, I was a chubby kid. And I was, you know, I guess chubby, you could say, throughout high school as well. I mean, there were periods where I was very slim when I was mm. playing water polo. But I've always, sports always been there mm. for me. Um, and fitness and health has always been there for me. I might have been, you know, on this side of the spectrum sometimes and then on this side of the spectrum, you know, other times. But it's always been the center of, like, who I am and my core identity. So when people say, you know, I've been interviewed various times about, you know, the same question, like, well, can you really be, you know, fit and healthy if you're overweight or, you know, obese, you know, even go as far to say that. And I definitely think you can because up until 110, 120, 130 even – I felt physically fine, and my bloods, my bloods were physically yeah, fine. Like yeah. they, were, they were normal. Um, I was still training every day in the gym, showing that you that you don't have to be limited by your size to be able to do certain things. Mm-hmm. However, they were far harder, yeah. And there the stress that it was putting on my organs, my health. That that was that was what was silent. Mm-hmm. So I knew once I got over that threshold of 130, and and it was snowballing, and there was nothing I could do about it. People say people. A lot of people say to me, "But you've done the diet before. How come you couldn't just, you know, lose the weight? Why did you have to go and do such a drastic surgery? You know, like, and it's it's so expensive, and like it's, you know, you like rearranging the plumbing in your stomach, and like, you know, like, surely you could have just dieted." There's always an opinion. There's always an opinion, but what what I think, and this is what ties in, I think, nicely with your so your knowledge of nutrition is that diets and proper medical advice, when it comes from a proper nutritionist or dietitian, when when you are when you are following proper medical nutritional advice Mm. 100% they can work and that is on the assumption that you do not have any underlying other health conditions absolutely then it works and it's sustainable yeah however when you do have something a chronic illness like obesity
0: Mm.
1: it gets to a point where when your BMI reaches a certain threshold in my Mm. case it was over 50 yeah there really is no going back mm. no matter how hard you try no matter how what caloric deficit you're in no matter yeah. how much you're training as it was very obvious by what i was putting out on my profile mm. for the last 3 years your body is so inflamed that you are just not it is just not a conducive environment for weight loss yeah. and yes you might lose 5 kilos yes you might lose 10 kilos you will almost 100% gain that back mm. and when you are obese and you have 60 kilos 70 kilos 80 kilos to lose unfortunately at that point the only option at that stage, is where I was at the end of last year, yeah. is uh, weight loss medication mm-hmm. such as we've heard a lot, of, lot in the media about Ozempic uh, and Saxenda. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you, have you surgery. tried surgery? Have you have you been ever on? So a I did. I did take Saxenda for twelve weeks pre-op in my pre-op phase. Okay, to help shed as much weight as I could. I mean, I was mm-hmm. I was negligible. It was about ten kilos. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just followed like a normal, you know, balanced diet during that time. Mm. So the, the medication does work. Mm. However, it's a chronic, me- it's a also. chronic medication. Yes, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm finally living a life that. I miss out on for so long and I finally feel like I'm me. I'd say it's worth it then. It is worth it. You, you made the right decision and it's worth it. What, like, tips could you give, you know, to these to new moms that are sort of embarking on this journey for, like, the first time and, you know, nutrition is something that they're probably not even thinking about right now. they yeah. a brand new baby. Mm. What, like, what would you say, especially about, like, the guilt? I mean, you mentioned the mom guilt and, mm. like, what would you say to someone mm. sort of embarking on this, this sort of next 18 years, yeah. bringing up a child and, and um yeah, what like values around nutrition is something that you that you sort of would
2: encourage they sort of bring into their households. Yeah, so I'm constantly explaining to them. You know, it's not like eat your carrots or mm. you need to be eating your broccoli. I explain what that could potentially do for you. Mm. So if you're eating that, do you know that it could do education? This? That's what or, I Or yeah. um, like my little one, Yara, she doesn't like eating like green peppers and then carrots need to be cooked a certain way and blah 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 you know how it goes so I tell her um, and this is clever I think I'm quite quite smart to do this so I tell her so eat the salad but don't exclude, okay? Exclude mm-hmm. as much as you want of whatever, but put in a little slice of tomato. Put it in a little slice of the green pepper of whatever she doesn't like. And she's like, oh, but I don't like the taste. said, yes, but when it, when it um, digests in your body, your gut is going to love that. And that um, diverse food mm-hmm. groups that you're having in your body is ge- going to give you a, a better a better gut health. And they're queuing my parents saying, do you, do you keep having to talk about gut health at the mm-hmm. table? But... She understands then. Yeah. So, when we got out to eat and I put a little piece of something she doesn't like in her plate, there's no argument. Yeah. Because she understands exactly why I'm doing that. Exactly. And I just think just educating on mm. why we should eat this, or, or I'll explain okay, if you're eating, you want that sugary cereal, okay, but by an hour into school, you're going to be tired. You aren't going to know your math sums, and you aren't going to do so well in that spelling test. But if you're eating these oats with the chia seeds that I just mm. made, uh, you're probably going to do really well. Yeah,
1: but I love that. I love that you 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 know you you allow allow them. I mean, you raise them that they can eat sort of sort of anything, but as long as it's a balanced plate. A try. But I think I think for for me, what definitely contributed to sort of my maybe negative health choices or negative food group choices growing up and well into my 20s and even my 30s is that there was this restriction as a kid Mm -hmm. so my mom and my dad obviously could see that I was you know an overweight kid so for me the concept of having a little fruit roll even or dried fruit or pack a little packet of cheddars or something in my in my um lunchbox was so foreign mm-hmm. so there was restriction from day one because mm-hmm. they were trying to obviously rein in my weight and what would happen is I'd go seek that out in school so I would I would beg other kids or I would you know ask to borrow one rant so I could get like flaky shells from the tuck yeah. shop yeah. you know and that was the problem so I love what you're doing because I I think had that been sort of instilled in me from a, from a young age that you can have the burger mm. and have the tomato have the have a little side salad mm. I feel like there wouldn't be this 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 like constant need. Yeah. There wouldn't have been this need in my life to like, you know, associate sort of higher calorie denser foods mm. like dried fruit or nuts or chips or whatever as like the demon. And like yeah. now I need to restrict for the whole day yeah. so that I can have a packet of chips. Mm. And then basically don't and then just get no nutrition and no mm. calories in for the whole day. Yeah. And then again, this binge restrict, binge restrict cycle That's continues. No way to so I really yeah. love like what you're doing. And I, I love that you are talking about it online because I think if we can get the kids young, <laughs> we can solve a lot of problems. So you know
2: the sad thing is that there's so many people, and I'm talking about mums now, who like the comments I could get mm. on uh, on what I post, where you see even amongst our generation, the mm. there's just so much lack of education 100 percent. and you know we spoke about social platforms the algorithm serving us beautiful bodies uh, uh gorgeous faces and us feeling uh, inferior about ourselves or yeah. yes about ourselves but i want to do a positive spin on that the algorithm algorithm allows us to see what we want mm-hmm. to see right so Curate your feed and start looking at recipes with healthy um, salads mm. or ways to um, increase your fitness in a short space of time, at gym, or um, just things that make you feel better and, and positive. And I've actively been doing that recently. And I feel now when I go to my Explore feed and I'm looking at my, my socials, it's a place of positivity. Mm. And I curated that like anyone Yeah. Can. You know, so I think as much as there is stuff out there that you know um, can do us wrong and can do us harm, uh, there's as much out there that can just help us. so totally. you know, as women empowerment and and all of that. I can go to gym sometimes, get changed from my corporate wear, and do 20 minutes of cardio, and I'm out before anyone can start. Talking to me mm. or make a conversation. My friends are like, you're going already? You were here for 20 minutes. I was like, and, and I'll be here tomorrow again for another 20 minutes. Because that's all I can get in. Mm. But I could say to myself, uh, I just have 20 minutes. Let me just go home yeah. and scroll on, on socials for yeah for 20 minutes extra so I really am just pushing to get in or manage my time better yes and that that 20 minutes that I'm having less with my kids I'm not feeling guilty about it because the time when I am with them for that 20 mm-hmm. minutes less I'm making sure that my phone is down and I am present and yeah. totally present with them to give them that that real real quality time um for the time that I'm there so, yeah yeah that's just been helping me Shaisa, I wanted to chat a little bit more about
1: accessibility around nutrition in South Africa. I think that, you know, it's all, all, you know, all, all good and well, you know, seeing these beautiful plates of food on Instagram and on social media. But the real sort of reality of, you know, our climate in South Africa is that, you know, access to sort of, you know, high protein and nutritious food is quite limited. However, it is available. And... I think through education, you know, we it's, it's it's very possible to to you know conclude a nice, nutritious, balanced plate of food. So, <clears throat> if you could give like a, a sort of budget plate of food that you know young moms or dads can put together for for their kids and just for sort of make
2: maybe a family meal in the week. what would you what would you put on your plate? Mm. so you are so right, Tracy, and I'm glad you brought this up because um everyone has excuses, right, for why they can't exercise and why they can't eat healthy. And one of the common excuses to eating healthy is that this health food just costs too mm. much. But I think we have gone so far because of social media and what we're exposed to in terms of the fancy, healthy foods mm. that we almost forgotten that it's actually simple. The OGs, we've forgotten the OGs. we for- <laughs> exactly we've forgotten the OGs. <clears throat> and if you go back to like um, um, in Indian culture, for example, and I know we have curries that can sometimes be oily, but we we're knowledgeable now. We know we know better. Um, you could be doing all the Indian greens and vegetables, which don't don't cost, um, you know, an arm and a leg. You could be doing that in a low oil version and that's perfectly fine. Mm. Um, I watched a, a clever documentary recently that looked at um, countries where people um, lived over a hundred years of Mm. age. Yeah, I watched that recently. And they studied what people of those regions ate. And they realized that people in those regions still ate the way their forefathers ate or generations before them ate. And it was mostly simple foods that grew on the earth in that region, they ate that. They la- lived simple lives with 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 um, far less stress than we did, and they were happy. Yeah. So maybe the answer is just going back to basics, going back to the ogs, and going back to what's simple. Mm. Yeah.
1: And this goes back to what I've chatted about continuously online is that. You can never look at someone and assume their health. Exactly. So a lot of people mm. will do that. They would have looked at me at, you know, 100 kilos in the gym and be like, oh, she just needs to cut back on the MACDs, you know. Mm. And actually, it's so great that we have this conversation because here are you, sort of the epitome of visual health. You know, you're slender, you're slim, you're athletic, mm. you know, you've, you've, had, you've got a background in sports as well. Mm. But there was something going on underneath the surface that you weren't even aware of Mm. until you actually sought that medical, Mm. you know, um, advice and and intervention. Um, And I think like that's just such a, it's such a brilliant juxtaposition for both of us because I feel like it's completely like on two sides of the spectrum. Because for me, I I wasn't necessarily, I was physically very big Mm. um, and I could sustain that Bigness for a while until yeah. obviously we mentioned earlier. Yes, until it you know went over the edge. Yeah, but for a very long time, I actually was very healthy. My bloods yeah. were normal. I had yes. normal blood pressure. But I was look, so look 100. Hey, you know you you come yeah. in and you 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 look and you put us together and you I think oh well, she's definitely it. the unhealthy one. You know, yeah. so yeah. I love that you've brought that up because mm-hmm. I think that's also one of those things that you know I've always said is you know you literally cannot judge a book by its cover and you cannot judge someone someone's health based on what they look mm-hmm. like. Yeah, but. When you do feel like things are going awry, and you do feel like you know you felt lethargic, I you, you know it in your spirit. Yeah, and I knew that in Mauritius. I knew I, I, there was there was not alignment in what I was in what I was putting out there with what was going on inside. Like I couldn't, you know, it was it got to that point where. I realized that my body was shutting down yeah. um, and it had become unhealthy. Mm. So it yeah. takes
2: it takes a level of bravery mm. to acknowledge that mm. and to take the steps you need to get to get sorted out and publicly as well. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah
1: it's been so great learning from you I really do feel that I'm totally living in my nutrition era
2: so thank you so much for
1: all your amazing tips and tricks it's been really
2: great chatting to you thank you so much Tracy likewise your journey has been so inspiring like I said I've been following you for the longest time so to meet you in person and for us to have this chit chat and and, you know talk about it and uh, hopefully inspire Mm. others through this
1: so as much as we've had so much fun chatting today about nutrition and all these things I think it's quite important that we legitimize what we've been discussing So I would love to actually chat to an expert in nutrition, um, Aziwe Boy. So if we can just have a look at the screen, we can uh, touch base
0: with our expert. Hi, Tracy and Shaista. My name is Aziwe. I am a registered dietitian. And I'm here to chat a little bit about what it means to actually have a balanced diet because we hear this word so often, but we don't always understand what that looks like. So a balanced diet is a diet that incorporates a variety of your fruits and vegetables, aiming for those in season because it is much more light on the pocket, but it's also much better in terms of the amount of nutrients and flavor. You also want to aim for your lean proteins. Variety, again, is a key word in all aspects because you want to aim for your animal and your plant-based proteins to make sure that it is well-balanced. One thing we always forget about when it comes to a balanced diet is your water intake because you want to make sure that you're also staying hydrated. So usually the recommendation is six to eight glasses. You can always tailor that in terms of your body weight. So if, for instance, for every 10 kilograms of your body weight, making sure you're drinking at least 250 moles of water or a cup of water. So if you weigh 80 kilograms, drinking eight glasses of water. Now, I know when we speak about balance a balanced diet, one thing that we always forget to incorporate is our preferences. And an important part of preferences is our culture. Another thing is also just looking into your lifestyle because a lot of the time, you know, we lead such busy lifestyles and the thought of cooking can sometimes be really overwhelming. So that's where planning can be really, really helpful to make sure that we're we're making this a lot more practical. And also, you know, looking into making meals that are simple and easy or finding healthy alternatives to simple and easy meals or meals that you already enjoy rather just so that you are still maintaining that amount of nutrients in your diet. Then we've also got the my plate model or the healthy plate model. Now this is one of my favorites because it's so practical. Just by looking at your plate you can know whether or not you're eating healthy. So On your plate, you want to have at least half of a plate of your non-starchy vegetables. So your leafy greens, your broccoli, your green beans, your peppers, your mushrooms, anything that will add flavor is always completely acceptable, like your garlic and onion. Then a quarter of your plate, you want to have your starches, whole grain starches are the main focus or your brown starches and your starches that are high in dietary fiber. So that would be any products that have more than six grams per 100 gram when you look at the nutrition label. Then when you look at your proteins, you want to aim for proteins that are lean, again, for a quarter of your plates. Keeping in mind also your healthy fats in moderation, which when you look at the healthy plate model, takes up a small amount. So that's where you can add the fat or flavor and also in the cooking process as well. I know that bariatric surgery was a topic of discussion and this is something that is definitely really important to go through under the guidance of a dietitian. A registered dietitian is able to assist you on your journey to make sure that you're eating a well-balanced diet, a diet that is going to suit your preferences and that is also going to not tarnish your relationship with food. Anyone who doesn't know what bariatric surgery is, it's basically a metabolic surgery of sorts, a surgery for weight loss. So there are alterations that are made to the stomach that actually basically either reduce the stomach size, basically allowing you to be able to eat less food that needs to weight loss. So it is so important to make sure that you're going through this journey with a health professional who can guide you and who can support you through this. As we close, I really wanna re-emphasize how important it is to know that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to nutrition. Everything is always individualized we're all different. We have different preferences. We have different medical conditions or medical backgrounds. So it is so important to make sure that our different needs are always met. And that's why if you are struggling and want any additional support in any way, even just to know how to eat healthy and eat in a balanced way, I would always recommend going to see a registered dietitian to get more guidance.